Wake Up to the Word is brought to you by Barkey's RV Rental. We will bring our camper to your pre-selected campsite. We'll set it all up. We'll show you exactly how everything works. You just bring your family and the fun. Just remember www.barkeysrvrental.com. Let the camping begin. Hello, it is New Testament Friday. We are glad you are joining us today. We got some good stuff for you in the bin in Jeff's stack of stuff. We got some good things going on there. I am not drinking coffee today. I have my peach mango flavored water in my Jeff's stack of stuff mug so we're glad you're here let's uh, let's drop off the music till the ending there you go give some wild applause to our studio audience that does not exist we are coming to you deep from the bowels of the Larksdale communication complex <laughs> And I am your host, Pastor Jeff Barksdale. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Yes, I try to use the little bit of gray matter that I have at all times. Um, we are, let's see, uh, into our Bible reading. Oh, I got Judy's question, too. I don't, I didn't pull it up. Let's see. Um, let's go to Judy's question. We do have a question, and our Bible reading is from Second Thessalonians, uh, chapters two and three. That will wrap up this book of the Bible. I'm bringing Judy's question right up in front of me. I don't know if I read the whole thing, but, <clears throat> but here we go. I tried to send. Oh, let's go through the whole thing. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 6, God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Jesus tells us to love and pray for our enemies and to turn the other cheek. I'm having trouble with this verse. Does it mean to go on that on Jesus' return, he will repay those who have afflicted us? Not for us to do that, as is this correct? That is absolutely correct. Um, uh, the um, concept is, this is not the only place in Scripture where that concept is given, Judy. It's um, that vengeance is his. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Romans 12, 
19, he says, I will repay. Again in Hebrews, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. So that's the that's the concept here. Deuteronomy says the same thing, vengeance is mine. So he's telling us that we need to pray for those who afflict us and don't, don't, revenge is not something we're supposed to think of. Here's why. Vengeance uh, gives us a bitter heart. I didn't even start the clock. Vengeance gives us a bitter heart. And if we want to pay someone back for something they've done to us, that's not good, that's dark, that's evil, that's bad, that uh, is hurtful or harmful, then we are not keeping our mind and our thoughts on the things that are good, right? Um, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is uh, praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, think on these things. If our mind is wandering away from those things, then we're not, um, <clears throat> we're not on the things that God has called us to. He's going to judge the world, those who reject him, and he's going to take care of even those that might be believers. He's going to take care of those that harm us. He will confront them with those things. So I hope that makes sense, Judy. Great question. Thanks for giving it. And uh, sorry, I got a little kerfluffled here at the beginning. So um, we will definitely uh, keep on moving. Your daily Bible reading, you can get your own copy at uh, wakeuptotheword.org. No, wakeuptotheword.org. Yes, sorry, wakeuptotheword.org. You can get your own copy of the Bible reading plan. And uh, we are being heard on Spotify as well as on <clears throat> Apple Podcasts, if you just want to listen to it, it's uh, just audio on Apple Podcasts. But also, we are on Rumble. We're uploading our second season onto Rumble, and you should be able to get a little, little bit of the end of the first season, too, because uh, I think I started at 101, so um, at episode 101. So we're getting all those uploaded. We're just nearly caught up, so I should be catching up very soon, maybe even this weekend. We'll get all caught up, and we're on Rumble too, so you can uh, watch there. Uh, we are excited. So, all right, let's uh, pray and get into the Word. Father God, we thank you for your Word and how it brings us truth, and that sometimes it's not obvious, that we have to do a little digging sometimes, and that just makes us love it even more. So we're thankful for that, Lord. So we praise you and be with us this morning uh, as we get into the Word. Yes, still morning. It's uh, I'm recording here at 11 a.m. So... <laughs> Okay, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> and our being gathered together to him. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarm, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Okay, this is written, most scholars think, about 50 to 52 uh, A.D., somewhere in that neighborhood. So at this point, Paul's clearly saying that the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, is not come yet. Now, as you notice right at the beginning of this sentence, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together. 
This is a very important statement because this is the content of their question the church has sent to him that he is responding to. So he sent his first letter to the church of Thessalonica. And remember, we talked about some of those things uh, alluding to the day of the Lord was in there. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, um, he talked about that in chapter 5. And uh, at the end of chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, he said, um, uh, And to wait for his Son for heaven, whom he has raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So the church is not called to suffer wrath. Will we have uh, troubles and tribulation? Yeah, he clearly said that. But that's not wrath. Wrath is something different. Wrath is described... Uh, in Revelation very succinctly, and when we get there, we'll go through all of that. But this uh, second chapter of Second Thessalonians, he clearly is uh, addressing a question that they have, and that's uh, so important for us to get, is that um, this they're asking a direct question, and he is giving them an answer. And so sometimes the answer that we get translated into English may or may not fully answer the question or uh, it may not lay out uh, in, a, in a way that seems to answer all the, all the parts of the question. So that's why we're going to break this up a little. Um, he went down, uh, don't be alarmed. And so uh, verse 3 of chapter 2. Let no one, let me put my spectacles on before I make a spectacle of myself. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. Right away, let no one deceive you in any way. Okay, so there's some deception going on, as it says. You might have gotten some letter uh, that seems to be from me, or by a spirit, or a spoken word. Someone saying, I feel like this is what he said, or I feel like the spirit is telling me that this is what he said. Um, but he talked about this when he was with them. So uh, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come. Okay, it's not going to happen unless, and this translation says, the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Okay, I'm going to hold it right there. So this word rebellion is the Greek word apostasia, and it is a noun, okay? It's a noun, apostasia, and it is used uh, as a noun only two times in the Bible, here and in Acts 21, Acts 21, um, where, uh, 21, 21, where, uh, speaking of Paul, Luke says that, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles 
to forsake, to apostasia Moses. That means the law. So um, this word uh, is, is translated forsake here and is translated rebellion here. Um, the, uh, the word conceptually as a noun can easily be translated departure, okay? And you can use it here, uh, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the departure comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So there's a, a, an order to things. There's a departure that's going to happen and is a man of lawlessness. Now, this word apostasia is often used for... Um, uh, forsaking, as it's written in in the uh, Acts twenty one twenty one, in in normal Greek conversation, used here forsaken or departing from Moses, departing from the law. So if you read it that way, that same exact verse. Sorry, I'm getting distant from the microphone. That same exact verse, uh, we're speaking of Paul. It says that you. <coughs> are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to depart from Moses or depart from the law, okay? Now, the word is... is uh, I, I have a nice article I brought up on it from Liberty University um, by Thomas Ice, and uh, uh, he, he breaks down all the Greek possibilities of it. Because it's used as a noun here... Uh, they're comparing the root is actually a verb. So that's why it's not used very much as a noun because the, the root word is actually a verb. The, uh, the verb um, uh, to remove um, is that apostasia, that apo. Oh my gosh. And uh, I had a little spill. And um, boy, I'm a little combobulated today. So let's, uh, let's get it together here. There's so much to, to talk about. But as a verb... It's used 15 times in the New Testament. And only three of them is it talk about a departure from the faith. Like that one, uh, the, the noun used in Acts 20.21, it's a departure from thinking or departure from um, the law, departure from... And so, but the other 12 times... It's used in the New Testament, it's used as a departure, spatial departure, which means that you've left one area, gone to another, or um, uh, you've left a location, okay? Now, that's important to know because that's the root of it is a spatial, the most common usage of it is a spatial departure. And so I got the whole article, I put it together, and we're going to throw it on Jeff's stack of stuff. For you to download, it's in pretty pretty uh, normal English, and it's not going to throw you off at all. But uh, it's a good it's a good article, and the one of the uh, one of the the better parts of it is that uh, they are on good hermeneutical and linguistical ground. We are in very strong linguistical and hermeneutical ground by translating this word departure rather than rebellion. That being the case, when people say the rapture does not appear in the Bible, you can conceivably tell them 
that it's it's spoken of um, a couple of times when it talks about um, the dead in Christ will rise first, right? And uh, this is in First uh, Thessalonians chapter four. Uh, we just read through that. Uh, for the Lord himself would descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and who are left caught up together will with them in the clouds meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord. Therefore encourage each other with these words. This departure right here is talked about right here. This is the description of the event, meeting the Lord in the air. Very key. Now, he wrote this letter, and they wrote back, and he clarifies it. Now, concerning coming of the Lord, same, same topic, and our being gathered, same topic, just what he just talked about. It didn't happen yet, so don't worry. You're not. You're not. You didn't get left behind. Oh, that was a good one. So uh, didn't get left behind because don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless or until the rebellion or the departure comes first. And uh, the Greek word, I mean, excuse me, the Latin word we use, uh, raptura for departure is the where we get the word rapture. So this departure is a very um, no problem using that translation here. I have all kinds of notes in my Bible that I've handwritten in the rebellion. It is departure. Unless the departure comes first, it comes first. And then the man of lawlessness is revealed. Does he mean? Does it mean he's not on the scene already? He's probably on the scene because he's going to be a grown man. He's probably already engaged in the political, geopolitical um, arena. But then he's revealed. He's going to step into his role, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes the seat in the temple of God. So the, the, the catalyst for that happening is the departure. That, is that it? No. No, that's not it at all. <laughs> There's more. Um, we're going to go uh, into um, the rest of chapter 2 here. So do, not, uh, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. So they've already talked about this. And the first letter attests to that. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. We're talking about the man of lawlessness here. Something is restraining him. You know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Okay, a lot to unpack there. So there's something holding this back. There's something holding the man of lawlessness back. There's something holding, uh, keeping him from revealing himself. And it's not an it, it's a he, it's a person. So the only logical explanation is this is the Holy Spirit 
that is holding him back. He's the restrainer. He's the one restraining the man of lawlessness. Now, let's back up to the previous section that says um, the departure has to happen first and then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. So when the believers, when the church, when everyone who's indwelled with the Holy Spirit, when they leave, the Holy Spirit also leaves because the Holy Spirit indwells both the church in body and in in uh, organization. It's it, that's So he leaves with the church proper, the worldwide church. He leaves with them and he's no longer restraining the lawlessness the full lawlessness and the man of lawlessness so this these puzzle pieces this mosaic as i've said the puzzle pieces come together when we unpack this the way we need to unpack it so the holy spirit is the restrainer he will leave with the departure and that's what i actually like to call it as opposed to the rapture because every anti-rapture believer god bless them love them they say doesn't say rapture anywhere in the church in the bible anywhere you don't see it anywhere the word rapture doesn't appear it's not there doesn't happen can't find it so you're wrong that's the end of the story <laughs> Sorry. And uh, my response to them is, can you point to the word Trinity in the Bible? Or triune God? Is that anywhere in there? So that's the answer. There's, there's concepts, principles, and truths that are in the Bible that we've attached words to to help us with our understanding that don't necessarily fit in the Bible. And that's why I love using the word departure as opposed to the word rapture. Because I think, even though they're actually synonymous, um, because that, that word as translated here, departure, actually to me is a word used in Scripture. So that was a long way to go there. What are we doing for time here? Oh, my, my thing shut off. Am I, am I out of time? No, I'm good. We got 12 minutes. We got lots of time. Oh, I started late. That's right. So we probably got about 10 minutes. Um, so it says to stand form, but we ought to always to give thanks. Uh, let me see. Did I miss anything up there? Yes. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion that they may believe what is false in order that they may be condemned, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay, you say, God, what do you mean God sends them a delusion? They could have been saved. If No, that's the thing, is they've already done the rejecting. They've already done, uh, they're not believing the truth. They're already not following God. They've already rejected the call of the Holy Spirit. So the delusion is not a delusion about salvation. It's a delusion to to follow fall into the plan of god for the destruction of the antichrist of the lawless the man of lawlessness so we don't want to put the delusion in the wrong place 
he's not giving them a delusion about their salvation. He's giving them a delusion about their following the, the man of lawlessness. They've already rejected God. So it's just a matter of them going, uh, following after the Antichrist and or the man of lawlessness as he's talked about in this particular portion of scripture. So they're, they're going after, they'll believe what is false. In verse 11 is what it says. They, so that they may believe what is false. And it's not false salvation. It's false information about what he's doing that they will believe him and follow him. Um, but we ought always stand firm. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as His first fruits to be saved. So this is the early church. This is the first fruits of the church through sanctification by the Spirit. And we talked about sanctification um, last uh, Wednesday at Word on Wednesday. If you missed that, you can you can catch that on uh, Facebook on the Life Coast Family page. And uh, and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope, through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Um, here's the thing is, uh, like I said, I've said this before, I don't get all wonky about this stuff with people who believe something different, but I believe that Paul in the church of Thessalonica and us by extension, he's telling us, hold firm to what you've been taught. Hold firm to what this word says. And and I believe this is a, a true and able uh, hermeneutic for this portion of scripture in this particular doctrine that is part of the the eschatology that's part of end times the last things uh, that we have to look forward to and i think it's comforting and i think it is <clears throat> it helps us to continue to strive forward and also to understand that we don't know when this day is coming we don't know when it's going to happen uh, we can look at people and say, oh, that's the Antichrist, or that's the man of lawlessness, or that's the guy, or I think that's the guy. And, uh, you know, people pointed at all kinds of people. They pointed at Hitler. They pointed at uh, JFK. They pointed at uh, the Pope. They pointed at Trump. They've pointed at uh, at Biden. They've pointed at, you know, the... the uh, uh, um, uh, the the guy from uh, the the British uh, guy, the Emmanuel Macron, the French guy. They've they've pointed to everybody. I've seen all kinds of different articles and videos about who's who's the Antichrist. Well, guess what? I believe that the departure is the next thing on God's prophetic timeline. Okay, that's the next thing. So my big question to us, to myself, and to you is what are you doing about it? What are we doing about it? Are we out there trying to tell people about Jesus Christ so that they understand that he's coming and he's going to gather his people to himself? There's no doubt about that. It's not whether it's going to happen because 2 Thessalonians 
is First uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter four is very clear about that. There is some kind of departure that occurs. There is some kind of meeting Christ in the air. There is some kind of translation of the body, a new glorified body, the dead in Christ rise first, then we who are alive. And if we happen to be alive when this occurs, then we then we depart. There's no there's there's no question about that happening. The only question within the camp, within within the faith family, the big C church, the only question is what's the order of things? So this isn't worth arguing about. It's worth discussing, it's worth talking about, it's worth challenging each other with the word. And and a friend of mine, like I said, wrote a book that doesn't have the same opinion as me. I got it. I'm reading it. I'll see what he has to say. But I look at this, and I see clearly the mosaic comes together. The pieces fit in the puzzle. And so uh, not everybody does the digging. They just listen and take the word. Do the digging. I'll say it again. I say it a hundred times. Don't just believe me. Do the work yourself. Be the Bereans. Get into the Word of God. Make sure what I'm saying is true. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? So, uh, chapter 3 is uh, kind of a wrap-up of this, the prayer for us. There's a few cool things in there, and i got a few minutes left, so I'll just uh, I'll, I'll tag them. Um, and, and he talks about working and doing the work and people who are lazy... Uh, it says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. This is a famous scripture, and uh, people say it as, uh, uh, if you don't work, you don't eat. And that's not what it says. It says, you're not willing to work. It doesn't say you're not able to work. If you're not able to work, you can't eat. That's not what it says. And 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 we have compassion on people who have disabilities or aren't able physically or mentally to work. We We, we need to take care of those people. Nobody is saying don't take care of the disabled and those who are in need because they physically or mentally are unable to work to support themselves. Nobody has an issue with that. The problem is, is we don't want to be taking care of people who just aren't willing to work, who are absolutely capable of work. The Bible is very clear about that. It says that they get become idle and busybodies. And... Uh, uh, we, we shouldn't commend those people. We should tell them to earn their own living, and we will support that. That's what we support. That's a biblical principle. It's not uh, in the political realm. It's not Republican. It's not Democrat. It's biblical. And so if we can grab a hold of that, it's a truth principle that we need to uh, work towards even harder, especially in our country. We're, we're, we're giving up this... We're giving up the... Uh, the reserves it's uh, and then some um uh it says but uh, in the last the last part of this chapter before the benediction <clears throat> i like this as for you brothers do not grow weary in doing good if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed and here's the best part do not regard him as an enemy but warn him as a brother that should be our heart to get better results it's not about labeling them as an enemy or hating them it's about wanting 
greater and better things for them within God's truths and God's principles. That is some good stuff right there. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I'm going to read the benediction as we uh, as the music kicks in. Look at that. I got two minutes left. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. And this Paul ends it with this. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. You see, Paul wrote large. He had vision issues. May have been because of what happened to him on the road to Damascus. May very well have been his thorn in the flesh. That may be another conversation for another day. Love you guys so much. Stay in the word. And remember, the departure could be any time. Who are you telling? Who are you sharing with?